my message today is an open heart opens heavens. You know, one thing I also, I, I forgot to mention the bulletin. With River Life Fellowship, our first Sunday night meeting with them is going to be the 22nd. We may have one just with ourselves before then. So Sunday nights, we'll be praying for that. But I'm talking about an open heart opens heaven. And the text today, my main text, is going to be Matthew 21, the first 11 verses. It says, again, the, the triumphal entrance. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while other Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Lord, open our hearts. Open our hearts. Give us ears to hear, Lord. There's a song we sing, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you. Lord, we all have the tendency to be like the Jews in Jerusalem, to sing your praises, but to be led astray by our opinions, by false teachings and by expectations of who you really are. Father, help us come in humility, as your word tells us. You oppose the proud. Help us not to be proud. Lord, I heard a pastor say this week, and I, I appreciate it, you oppose the righteous. You oppose those who think in and of themselves they are righteous. With relationship with you, Jesus, we are all sinless. We're all righteous in your eyes. But that's not what I'm talking about, Lord. I'm talking about the Pharisees. I'm talking about the religious leaders that really thought they were something. Help us to be humble before you, Lord. Father, in this day and age, the American church is under attack. We're being led astray. Help us to stay close to you and your word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that our cry would be like the psalmist, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Let us stay close to your word, Lord, so that we won't slowly fade away from it. Move today, Lord, in your name. Amen. A week from today is Easter. You know, and as praying today, as we enter the spring season and we enter a season of, of new growth, you know, this is what God wants to do in our church. This is what God wants to do in our heart. He wants new growth. He wants to do something new. He wants us to look at the past and slice it and just let it go. You know, I think about a week, in, it's all, a week now from all, it's Easter, and i got to admit, ever since I've been a Christian, th- this week brings me a lot of different emotions. You know, I, I think about, you know, Jesus coming to Jerusalem, and, and I see the people proclaiming him. Then I see days later when they yell, crucify him, and just what my God went through for me. You know, and I think, you know, tomorrow I'm doing the committal service for Doug Vincent, uh, a brother that used to go to church here years ago and passed away a couple months ago. And one of the things that I'm glad I get to do it for a Christian, because there's nothing more heartbreaking than to do a funeral for somebody that you really think did not know Jesus Christ, and, and to know what their eternity is. Man, we celebrate the greatest event in mankind in one week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you today to have ears to hear and eyes to see. We need to have an open heart to what God is saying. I like what John Bevere says. When we read God's word, we have to believe what we read rather than read what we believe. There's many religions, there's many even Christian denominations, etc., that, that they misinterpret the Bible, but they make it believe what they want it to. We have to know what God's Word is, and we have to believe what God says rather than what we think. So, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Today, I'm talking about we need to embrace the truth. I want to do just a little bit of setting so Jesus is entering Jerusalem. He's coming down from the Mount of Olives, beautiful sight. You know, Jerusalem, they, they say, was in the community of, was probably filled with either 2 or 2.5 million people. The law said that if you are a Jewish male, you lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem, you had to go there for Passover, and there's also a lot of people there from all over. The moment of truth has arrived. The moment of Jesus' revelation has come. You know, he, Jesus comes and he, he fully reveals who he is and why he came. This is the first time Jesus tells people who he is. If you remember, a lot of times he'd heal people, the demons would cry out, or he'd heal a leper, he goes, don't tell anybody. Why? The moment wasn't ready. Now the moment has arrived. So the first point I want to make is the king of kings has arrived. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus is a public demonstration of the fulfillment of the prophecy that Zechariah set forth hundreds of years ago. Now, we look at it in our society, and we say, really, a donkey? 
back then in that, in that culture, a donkey was the animal that Jewish monarchs rode on. It was considered a noble animal. And he rode on the foal. He rode on the donkey that had never been ridden. That was a sacred animal. Another thing is, a donkey was a symbol of peace. So Jesus is coming to Jerusalem and he's letting the people know the king of kings has arrived. I come to offer you peace. Jesus also knew something else. These actions were bringing people to a major decision. Just like today, each one of you in this room has to come to a major decision. Who's going to own your life? Who is Jesus? Just as them waving palm branches, Hosanna, right on Jesus, didn't make them Christians. Being in this room doesn't make us Christians. You know, the challenge was made. How are the religious leaders going to react? to Jesus. And what we're going to talk about and what we're going to look at in a little while is their misconceptions didn't bring them heaven. And a lot of times when I counsel people, when I talk to people, their biggest problem with God is God didn't do what they expected him to do. And people get disappointed. And they get mad at God, and they listen to the lies of the enemy, and, and, and there's a divide. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, this is a truth we don't like. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, that leads to hell, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I look at culture today. I'm watching a TV show the other night, and there's an Adidas commercial. And part of it is triumphing this, this transgender woman playing sports. We live in a culture, you can look at what's going on in Florida, you can look at things like Disney, and forgive me, I'm not going down this road too far, but I'm going to say, we live in a culture that is triumphing sin. I mean, to come against Florida, the state of Florida, and they're just saying, kindergarten, first, second, and third grade, you won't talk about gender identification or sexual orientation. Hello, that is called common sense. But yet, now there's a great outcry. And guess what? As Christians, we got to be grieving about our country because sin is being triumphed. And you have to understand, more and more we see narrow is the gate. And what happens in the church is, whoa, let's expand a little bit. Let's compromise a little bit. I shared about this church up north. Not mentioning it. Pastor now preaches, once you die, you have a chance for salvation. Because a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. 
Boy, that sounds good. Boy, that's a crock of crap. And people are buying it because it's a popular church. Why it just, gosh darn it, makes me feel good. And don't you know, we live in America, the country of me. I gotta feel good. Narrow is the way to hell. And more and more, being a born-again Christian is not going to be popular. And one of the things that Jesus is coming against is religion versus relationship. Religion is man's way of trying to get close to God. You can't pray certain words in abracadabra, you go to heaven. You can't act your way into heaven. Why? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Adam came, Eve came, they sinned. We now have sickness, we now have death, we now have separation from God. My personal opinion is, as bad as hell is, the worst part of it is, there is no presence of God in our being once you go there. And that, that, that feeling of desolation and, and aloneness, isolation, excuse me, is terrible. What God is looking for is a surrendered life and a relationship. Pride is the enemy of faith. Look at the Pharisees. What did they not like about Jesus? He was taking their glory. He was taking their publicity. They liked to show how righteous they were in the, the clothes they wore and how they prayed and how people thought they were top dog. And then I look at John the Baptist, who's, excuse me, he lived a life I would not want to be called to, wearing funky clothes, eating funky food, and he says, you know, he must increase, but I must decrease. Guess what, church? We have to decrease, and it has to be all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. What happens to the Jewish leaders? They were unable to let go of their place of pride. Salvation is not a matter of the mind. It's a matter of the heart. Lord, I am yours. You came and died for me. You know, one of the things, and I said, that, that breaks my heart, we had somebody I know pass away recently, and, I'm, you know, and I don't know if they knew the Lord, um, reading these things online. Oh, they're in a better place. Oh, rest in peace. And I said, oh, Lord, I hope so. Makes us feel good. This is part of the reason we're doing Sunday night meetings. We got to reach our community. And we have to be asking, okay, Lord, who do I bring? It's going to be a one-hour service. We're not going to have child care. We're going to do a lot of worship. We're going to spend some time in the Word. But God wants us to go out there and start touching lives. Second point I want to make, it's a matter of the heart. People were exalting Jesus. They saw him coming. Like Bill said, they're, they're throwing their cloaks. They're throwing palm branches. Thus, Palm Sunday. Hosanna. They're hailing Christ as king. God doesn't care about your words. There's a prayer we could do at the end. The sinner's prayer, I think it's a great prayer. I think it does absolutely nothing without a transformation of your heart. 
I hate to say it, I think there's a lot of people in hell that have said this in his prayer. If you don't give your heart to Jesus Christ, you don't belong to Jesus Christ. And this is what we're looking at today, but we're looking at people that didn't give their hearts to Jesus Christ. How could such a wonderful day, I mean, Jesus is coming down, he sees everything going on, and people are proclaiming him. How awesome is that? Five days later, crucify him. Torture him. Make him unrecognizable by what he goes through. Man, this is God's plan and Jesus' submission. Jesus did that for me. He did that for you. You know, we say, we're nothing like that. You want to bat. I love Syracuse basketball. They just beat Georgetown. Really? They just get beat by Akron. Bayham's a bum. I mean, you know, it's not the same thing, but let's face it, mankind is mankind. You know, we love God. We can praise God. How about you praise him in the storm? How about you praise him when life really stinks? You know, that's where faith comes in, realizing, you know what? I am not here for real long. I was watching, um, I was watching something on YouTube last night. There's a conversation with Bill Mahar and Ben Shapiro. One is very liberal and one is very conservative. And they're agreeing on all this stuff. And they, they're talking about COVID and what they believe in it. And they said, you know, I can't remember how many percentage of people, 90% of the people are over the age of 65. And I'm 63 and I'm going, uh-oh. I have lived a lot of life. I have lived more life, I hope, than I have left. And I'm just, I mean, I, age doesn't really phase me, but if I'm looking at it, this is a true fact that I got to look at. We all got to look at it because we're not promised tomorrow. But I, I look at Jesus' submission, and I think of the courage he demonstrated because he knew what was going to happen. He knew as he rode on that donkey that those religious leaders, you don't think they were torqued when they saw people praising him? My, the, the Pharisees, I think they had, I can't remember, 600 and some rules. They took the Bible and they added to it. And over time, their rules became more important than God's. Of course, we're never like that. Oh, we're not meeting Sunday mornings anymore. We really are. I just wanted to mess with you because you guys get upset. Now, here's something that's really going to be interesting. Um, because we have a new carpet, we're going to start doing communion again, but we're going to use white grape juice. We're doing the plasma of Christ. Some of you, whoa, you might really think, is this really Jesus okay with this? I love the pastor that told me once he gave communion with cut up cold pizza and soda. I think that's awesome. It's the symbol, not the substance. You can praise Jesus all you want. Does he own your heart? Have you read the scripture where Jesus says, but we did prophecies. We healed people. What does he say? Go to hell. How dare you say that? I didn't. He did. He said, depart from me. Why? I never knew you. Let that not be said about us. The crowd turned in a matter of days because they didn't know the truth. 
I love the story in John 4. We're not going to go there. The woman at the well. You know, the woman, she's been married five times and now she's shacking up with a guy in sin. Goes to the well from some accounts in the middle of the day because she didn't go in the early morning because she was such an outcast in her own society that she didn't want to be around the people. So she's a Samaritan. She's a half-breed. Jews were way too righteous to talk to Samaritans. You know what I mean? I mean, they hated each other. So he goes there and he asks her for some water. Whoa, not only is a single man, isolated man, talking to a woman, he's asking her, can I suck from your cup, which I find disgusting, but Jesus asked her. Then, well, he talks about living water, but this is a point I want to, uh, to, to, to really put my mark on. She asks him, well, where are we supposed to worship? Mount Ebal or Mount Gerizim? Samaritans say this, Jews say that. You know what Jesus says? Wrong. Worship is a matter of the heart, not location. I think that's amazing. This is why the Jewish people in Jesus' day missed it, because they didn't give their hearts to God. Jesus is saying, worship is about your heart, not about where you are. You can worship God outside of New Covenant's building. You can do it on a Tuesday night at 4 p.m. It's not a set of rules. Now, yes, there are certain ways we're supposed to behave. Why? My life is supposed to give God glory, be a good testimony. Once I come into relationship with Jesus, I want to please him. Not to get brownie points, but because I love him and I want to please my father. I believe, now this is what I like, I was reading an account about it. The Samaritan woman goes back into town and goes, Hey, this guy told me everything. Do you think? I think she already knew who he was. I think she also knew in that day women didn't teach men, especially one with her reputation. So she knew some stuff and she started asking questions to spur their hearts on so they'd come to know God. The Bible doesn't say it personally. I believe this woman's rejoicing in heaven right now. This sinner, and that's what God's grace is. Don't let the enemy tell you you're not good enough. Don't let the enemy say you're worthless. That's a bunch of hooey. How can you be worthless when my Jesus and your Jesus died for you? It's time that we grabbed a hold of who we are in Christ and we live that. Jesus told the woman, hey, I'm the Messiah. Believe and receive. And you know what I love about this? The peace of Jesus is offered to each one of us today. My last point, the passion of Christ. Jesus comes down, and it tells us in another account, and Luke talks about how he he wept. I think he wept because he saw what's happening, and he knew what was going on. I don't have this on my screen, but I want to read from you from Luke chapter 19. And he says in verse 41, 
as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you and will encircle you and hem you on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. What is Jesus saying? They rejected him. They were given over to the hardness of their hearts. So the religious leaders, the Jews, they wanted a king. They were under Roman rule, so they thought, I know what God's going to do. I know what the Messiah is going to do. He is going to be this kick-butt guy. He is going to come take control. Amen, and it ain't you, Jesus. Because you don't fit into my thinking of what a Messiah is going to be. So what does Jesus say to them? But now, it is hidden from your eyes. God wishes that no one should perish. What are you doing today right now with Jesus? What are you doing? We need to say, Lord, every part of my life. And this is where the church has to be careful. I have to be up here and preach the truth, not my opinions. I have opinions. I have opinions on a lot of things. I'm not going to name any because I don't want to sidetrack for what I'm talking about. But I need to preach the truth. The religious leaders of the day preached their opinion. I had a guy come to my office when I was in Copenhagen, and they'd just come out of this other Christian church, but this other church. And you should have seen the handbook. You should have seen the handbook of the set of rules. I did a wedding in one of the churches. The women sat over there. The men sat over there. They loved Jesus. God bless them. But they had a bunch of rules. I'm not going to have a bunch of rules except the Bible. We have to be careful. And part of the reason why we talk about knowing the Bible is there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people that the church about, I talk about up north, I know these people. They're friends of mine. But how do you sit under a teaching that is so unscriptural just because it makes your ears feel good and it makes your emotions feel good? Sorry. Goats and the sheep, you die, you don't know Jesus, depart from me, I never knew you. There's not a second chance once you breathe your last. And look at these leaders, they led people astray. These people couldn't accept Christ and many of them turned their back on him. 70 years after Jesus' death, in 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed. That is what he's talking about. You had your chance, but now judgment comes. We hate the word judgment. What does Peter say? Judgment begins where? In the house of God. God, judge us. We need to pray and say, Lord, show me where I have fallen short. There, there's a topic, I'm, I'm not going to go too far down this road either, it's called Lordship Salvation. 
And I'm reading this book by this pastor, and I got to tell you, I don't embrace it all, but it makes sense. And what he says is, are you saved if your life does not demonstrate that Jesus is fully your Lord? What does that mean? Christians, I believe if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the world has to notice it. We can't keep living the way we used to live. More and more each day, we have to point to the Lord. My wife and I got together with a couple yesterday. We hung out, we did different things, and, and they left. And I went home and I realized, I said one thing that was just stupid. And I knew God was saying, you've got to repent and text them. And that didn't make me happy, because it's called humility. So I did it. I said, man, you know what? I was too loose. That wasn't a testimony of Jesus Christ. I was too loose with some of the things I said. Will you forgive me? Why? I want my life to point people up. I don't want my life, I don't want this church to point people to us, but I want us to point people to God. Let Jesus fit your definition of Savior. Let Jesus fit your definition of king of kings. You know, like I said, this week to me, it brings a real sense of humility, what Jesus did for me. And what he went through, that I deserve to be whipped. I deserve to be beaten so bad you can't recognize me as a man. I deserve to be crucified, but God said, I got this if you'll have me. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that a little exclusive? No, I think it's incredibly inclusive because the offer is given to everybody. He lets everybody in. We just have to do our part. And we know we live in a society where we don't have to be held accountable. Because it's not our fault. Guess what? It is your fault, and it's my fault because I'm a sinner saved by grace. You see, Jesus gave his all for us. We need to give our all to him. You know, salvation is a gift of grace. It's God's favor. I think it's a little wrong to say there's not a cost to it. It costs me everything. If I'm really a born-again Christian, which Jesus kind of says you have to be, and if you go through John 3, 3 with Nicodemus, I'm not going there. Newsflash, Nicodemus really knew Jesus wasn't telling him you got to go inside mom and get born again. What Jesus was doing was going against all of the wrong teachings that these religious leaders held. But, but Jesus said you got to be born again. So what we need to do is commit our lives to God. Let's look at a summary. Today needs to be a day of reflection and appreciation. It amazes me that the crowds went from cheers to jeers in five days. And I'm not talking about jeers. Kill the man. Five days ago, you're, Hosanna, man, you're, you're, kill him. Why? They were led by false people. They didn't know God's truth. God didn't meet their expectations. I have a friend of mine, um, 
He's preaching on this topic today, and he's wearing yellow sunglasses. Now, I have a pair of those because they're really awesome to use when you drive at night or in a snowstorm. And what he's saying is, yellow sunglasses take out, I think it's blue light, but anyways, if you look through them, you don't see things clearly. The people in Jerusalem weren't seeing clearly. They're looking through the eyes of their opinion, of their perception of what the Messiah should look like. We can do the same thing. You got to hold loosely. How is your life? You pray about what you want your life to look like and for God to move, but you embrace the fact that it's not going to happen the way you want it to probably, but Jesus Christ is still in control. Relationship with God is an issue of the heart. It's not a set of rules. It's not a set of procedures. I love the fact that that sinful woman, you don't think they talked about her behind her back, the woman in at the well? She responded to the offer of living water. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Corinthians says, God chose the foolish things of this world. Why? So we can easily manipulate them? No, because when you know you're broken, you're humble, and you accept the God. If you're like a Pharisee and you really think you're hot stuff, you don't need God. In fact, God needs you. It doesn't work that way. Jesus wept because it shows his compassion. He knew what could have been, but he knew what was coming. And that broke his heart. I love the passion of Jesus. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us. Jesus sat around with the disciples and they were just laughing and laughing. It doesn't tell us about his laughter. It tells us about his tears because it shows me how much God loves us. And it's something we have to realize. God isn't angry with sinners. He loves them. He sent Jesus to die for them. He's angry at sin. And angry at the devil? But there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Jesus looks for self, selflessness, sorry about that, humility and faith. Okay, sorry. Pride looks to self, humility and faith looks to Christ. Would you close your eyes? I want to close in a song, if we may. I didn't give him a heads up ahead of time. One thing that's been heavy on my heart the last couple of days God wants you to know how much He loves you. And the reason it's heavy on my heart is because some of you, you're not believing it. You got old Slewfoot, the devil, whispering lies in your ear. And God wants you to know how much he loves you. I sit at the door and knock. 
If they open, I come in and eat with them and them with me. Obviously, it doesn't talk about a meal. It talks about a life. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and saying, hey, will you let me in? Now, some of you, you said, I've done that. He says, yeah, but only my foot is in the door. I want you to open the door the whole way so I can come in and sit down. We can have grand fellowship together. I'm going to ask you, as we sing with this next song, maybe you don't sing, that's fine. But during this song, would you please make a commitment again to the Lord? Say, Jesus, I love you. I just want to surrender all I have to you. Thank him for what he did on the cross. Thank him for this Passion Week, this holy, what he went through for your sake and for mine. And maybe you're here today and you don't quite know this Jesus thing yet. You know what? You are in the right place. As we sing, you just go to God and you say, you know what, Lord? Show me your truth. Don't let an opinion or pride keep you from eternity with Jesus. But if you go to him and say, Lord, show me your truth, if you have an open heart, I guarantee God's going to answer that for you. So Lord, pray that you would help us stay on your path. So if you so desire, would you stand and Bill will close in prayer after the song. Blessings. Blessings.